welcome to episode 12 of the Honest Christian Podcast. This is your studly and manly and oh-so-good-looking host, Tony, accompanied by my beautiful and intelligent and just beyond amazing wife, Thank you. Sarah. Yes, hello. And welcome to our podcast today, which will be about our story a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, If you listened to the last podcast, we talked a little bit about the idea of relationships, dating, what that looks like um, within the confines of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the three different words for love that we see in Scripture predominantly used and how all those interconnect to make healthy relationships. Mm. So this episode, we're going to discuss how my wife and I met and what led to our marriage and... It's a fun little ride. We hope you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so without further ado, I will allow my wife to kick the things off by li- filling people in on the context of where she was in her life mm-hmm. yeah, prior, we'll go back and forth. prior to us meeting, and then I'll kind of fill you in where, where I was, and then we'll kind of roll into the story. So you have some good context by which to understand everything. Because yes. context matters. Yes. So... Um, in my life, um, I was looking for a man to get married to. Um, and at the time, this might shock people, but I was 16 and I was serious about marriage with the right person. Of course, um, there was a couple people I dated in high school, honestly, wasn't probably the, you know, top person in high school and middle school and whatever that people were after as far as like dating goes i think you're but gorgeous and that they were all crazy for not going after you yeah thank you well anyways high school standards are are crap but anyways i only had a few people that i guess you could say dating but really it was just holding hands and carrying your stuff to the next class that's what dating looked like in high school. So, at least for me. Um, very timid dating. I mean, you know, where I grew up, you know, the year and all that, the era, whatever you want to call it, generation. So, I don't know what people do these days. High schoolers these days. Those young kids. Yeah, I felt like your school was a little bit old school, too. So, as far as high schools go. Yeah, we were kind of... We were the country bumpkins... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were a little sophistication over there. I was. Um, and also I would say that, because uh, she didn't mention it, but my wife was very much um, looking to grow her relationship with God at that time in her life as well. I was. Not that she isn't today, I don't want to, um, but as far as high schoolers go, she definitely had a lot of questions and she was seeking answers for them and really wanted to know more about God and have a better relationship with Him. So mm-hmm. that's really where she was at that point mm-hmm. in her life. Right, and... And yeah, you know that because of uh, what you saw mm-hmm. growing up. Um, yeah, for me, so, you know, the typical, oh, I was saved at eight years old. And I did not live my life out for Jesus until I was in high school. And believe it or not, we watched the uh, Bruce Almighty movie. And that's what made me want to go back to church. As crazy as that's going to sound. I We watched it together with my mom. It was, it was me, my sister, my mom. And I, you know, 
I don't even know how we ended up watching. I don't know if it was like something we asked her about. Like, hey, can we finally watch this movie? I remember you and dad watched it and we were like real little and we couldn't watch it. We didn't know why. Can we watch it? And now we don't know why. Well, if nothing else ever came good from that movie, there's right. one thing. <laughs> there's one thing. <laughs> so anyways, um, but after that movie, I just asked my mom, hey, can we go back to church? Because we weren't going mm-hmm. to church at the time. I don't think we had been to church probably mm-hmm. since we were little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and we moved a few times in our lives. So I think with all the moving, we eventually just kind of fell out of it. Um, so anyways, I was 16 at the time. And I was like, okay, I really want a relationship with God. So we started going to church, to youth group. And, um, during that time I was also seeking a boyfriend. I mean, really, I, I was interested in love. But you wanted husband material. Right. I wanted boyfriend. husband material. Yes. I was looking for a boyfriend cause I wanted a boyfriend. I wanted that relationship. It was something I'd always wanted. I mean, I remember drawing a picture at the age of 10 or something of what my future husband and family would look like. It was going to be me and my husband and I think I maybe like drew like three kids or something on four kids like my parents have four kids so um that's what I wanted and mm-hmm. um I was set on that and there was a there was a few people in my life that I met and at first it was kind of like okay I want to know what dating is like didn't really get that in high school obviously I had no connection like to them it was more of a like hey what's what is this dating thing mm-hmm. there was no i'm in love with this person right um and i think there was only there, there was only one other person besides tony that i did fall in love with who i was really serious about but he was not serious about me and that really broke my heart when i realized he was really just playing around with me as in pretending that he really wanted Mm-hmm. to be my girlfriend but then ended up telling me no you i've actually boyfriend. boyfriend okay whatever <laughs> <sighs> i'm talking fast because i'm trying to get through okay. to the point of my story Sorry. but anyways <laughs> i did have one heartbreak and i had been hopeful that mm-hmm. he was going to be the one but it turned out he was not husband material when i when i realized that um you know after my heartbreak i was like okay well moving on moving on on. and after that that's when i just i told god okay i'm done trying to find this guy because clearly i have no idea who i'm looking for i don't know what a godly man looks like and i also am very new to the christian life so i'm gonna give that over to you god and in the meantime i'm just gonna focus on you so yes at 16 that is what i decided and that's what I did. I read my Bible. I took it to school and I read my Bible. Um, people thought I was weird, but I did it anyway. And I grew a lot. And during all this time, I had met Tony. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the youth... What well, now, hold youth? on. I, I got to get my context set so people don't think I'm crazy here. I know, but I got to tell my side. Okay, okay. Okay, listen. When I first saw you, okay. I thought you were 18 years old. Uh-huh. When I was 16, I was like, hmm, he's pretty, he's pretty good looking. Like, I hope he's godly. <laughs> it's your rolled socks and 
Hey, don't make fun of the rolled socks. <laughs> Love it. Okay. People on the podcast don't know I have rolled socks. <laughs> he rolls his socks down. Sock. So what? It's cute. <laughs> anyway, so that that kind of gives you where Sarah was. Yes. At the time, um, and this is where some people are going to go gasp. Gasp. Um, oh. At the time, I was not eighteen, like no. my wife thought. Yeah, I really know. I have you always guys. had a bit of a baby face and looked much younger than I was. You still and, do. Uh, anytime I've had to show ID for something, people have always been like, oh my goodness, you're like a baby. Oh, you're going to love that when you're like 45. I'm like, yeah. I hope so. But right now it's kind of annoying because like I'm still getting mistaken for a high schooler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, uh, anyway, so. What I, school do you go to, dear? Like, yes. Oh, I uh, graduated in. <laughs> if law enforcement had ever needed somebody to sneak in undercover to a high school for some kind of drug bust, they could have used me. I mean, I, but at the time I was 25. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was uh, an intern at at a local church where I was living, and actually I lived in the church's building, in a small apartment because I was also kind of security slash other things mm-hmm. for the the facility. Um. And no, unfortunately, he did not have a nice security uniform. uniform. No, I didn't have any kind of uniform. <laughs> uh, shorts and a t-shirt shorts was my and uniform. T-shirt, y'all. <laughs> and uh, I'm a very basic, simple man. Yes, and his rolled socks. At that point in my life, at 25, many of my friends were either married, getting married, or at least in a serious relationship, and I had Having still never had a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So, you start to feel that pressure. Like, okay, God, everyone else around me is kind of moving forward with this stage of life, and I'm still here going, it'd be nice to at least have had a girlfriend by now. Mm. I mean, 25 with no girlfriends is kind of unusual in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, Perhaps, though, it's for the best. But anyways, that doesn't mean I I wasn't attracted to females. I hadn't had crushes before. Just, I guess, none of those were ever reciprocated, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, So at this point, I just was praying to God. I was like, okay, God. I want to know which path I can, I'm can. i going down here in life. So if I'm not supposed to get married, that's fine. I will accept that, and I will live the single life, and I will enjoy it. I just need to know so that I can plan in the long term for that being how I'm going to live. But if you're going to have me meet someone and get married at some point, well, let me know that as well so I can kind of be planning for that future course of events. Now, I've never audibly heard the voice of God. And I'm not going to claim I did this time either. But when I prayed that and genuinely like prayed that to God that day, I finally heard a response. Hmm. Like I, and it wasn't an audible response. It was just like the information was like suddenly beamed straight into my brain. And it was like I could hear it inside of my head saying, you will be married in two years. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, well, that's the clearest answer to any prayer I have ever received in my life. That's really cool. Two years. Okay. So then I I learned a very important lesson. Be careful what you ask for when you pray. Mm -hmm. Because my next question to God was, since we're talking. (laughs) While you're still here. While you're still here. While we're still, I still got you on the line. Yeah. (laughs) Do I know this person by any chance? And. God very clearly replied with, yes, it's Sarah. And I was like, in my brain, I'm going, okay, Sarah, who, who, do, who, Sarah's that I know. How many Sarah's do I know? At the time, I only knew one Sarah, and she was already heavily involved with a, 
a fellow As that I knew. As in somebody your age. Uh, so, yeah, somebody my age, somebody within my, somebody I would have considered a viable candidate for marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was already involved with someone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, well, God, that can't be right. She's already involved with someone. Mm-hmm. And God was like, no, 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 not that Sarah, this Sarah. Mm-hmm. And he was like referring to my wife. And I was like, well, no, no. At the time, um, I was not his wife. Yeah, at the time, she's <laughs> not my wife. Um, but the, the Sarah I am now married to. But he, you know, he's like Sarah Peters. It's like, no, no, God, that she's no, like that's that's, she's sixteen, mm-hmm. and she's a student in our youth group. That can't be right. Mm-hmm. I must have misheard you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and and God was like, what was the first thing I told you? That I would get married in two years, right? And how old will she be in two years? She will be eighteen. And what's the problem? But, uh, and, and yeah. I just, in my head, I couldn't quite, <laughs> I couldn't quite get my head around it. I wasn't re- really seeing things from, from God's 3,000 foot view. But, mm-hmm. you know, God was answering my question, which was crazy. And I know some people are going to hear this and think there's no way that happened. But it did. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, Sarah and I continued to have nothing short of a or nothing more than a student-teacher relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked in the last podcast about agape, agapao, and dode, the three words for love used in Scripture. Mm-hmm. For Sarah and I, agape, that basic level of friendship, mm-hmm. respect, and just how we're supposed to treat each other. That mm-hmm. is where it was. It was a student-teacher relationship. Obviously, she being a female student, I didn't have that much interaction with her. Mm-hmm. I did run the sign-in desk where students would come and sign in when they arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did... So when was that prayer made? Was this after we had already been talking? Obviously, we had met by this point because right. I wouldn't have known who you were otherwise. And the only kind of interaction we had at the time um, was me asking him about the Bible because I actually got a lot more from him than I did from anybody else in the church at the time. Right. Um, I obviously talked to the other girls there, obviously talked to the women, the the youth leaders there. Right. But I certainly found something different when I talked to him and not because I had a crush on him. That actually developed later, but in the beginning when I met him, uh, I asked, you know, certain questions and he was just... Just the way he would explain things. Also, he he told me, you know, if you want to know who God is, read Romans. When I read Romans, I was blown away. Um, and it, it showed me a side of God I never knew. And then I had all these questions about different verses. And he would tell me about the context. He would tell me about the Greek words that were used. Never in my life had I heard that before. Never even thought about that. Nobody in my life at that point had talked about this stuff. When I, growing up, the only thing I ever heard in my life was, Jesus is coming back one day, so you better be saved or you're going to hell. Do you want to go to hell? See, that's all I ever heard. Mm-hmm. That was f- a lot of fear-mongering. I, and as a kid, obviously, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, i got to believe in Jesus, which is why I was, you know, quote-unquote saved. relationship. And right. That's what God wants is a relationship. Right. So I was learning about how God wanted a relationship with me, and that was just incredible to me. So I was probably in the deepest relationship with God ever in my life at that time, and that that was all I was running for. Um, 
But yeah, a crush did develop and Mm -hmm. I did try to suppress that so that I didn't, I guess, lose focus Mm -hmm. because I did promise to God, I am not going to find any, any man anymore. I'm leaving it up to you, God. Which is so funny when I think when I look back at this. Because God was like, No, 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 this like, is this, okay. This is this, the, is, the this one. is the guy. It's like he was saying, Hey, hey, look, look, I found somebody and the whole time I was like, No, 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 stay focused, stay focused. He's so cute, but I can't <laughs> Anyway, so our relationship at that point was nothing more than student teacher. Yeah. Um and I treated her and she would agree that I treated her like any other student in the student mm-hmm. ministry. There was absolutely nothing special going on. Mm-hmm. If she had a question, she could ask me. Yeah. If any other student like had a question, any other student. You know, any other student had a question, they could ask me. The only time um, we we talked was in a group setting. Right. Obviously, there was no one on one things going no. on. There was no sneaking off to the side. No, no nothing. I was usually at the check in desk the entire time mm-hmm. until youth group really got rolling Even and everybody was checked in, and then board. I was in the sound booth running yeah. the soundboard. So I mean, and then I went from the soundboard to my small group of guys, and I would teach with my small group of guys and then things would wrap up and we'd send people home Mm -hmm. so there was you know if she ever talked to me it was in a group setting so nothing going on there we had a very healthy student teacher agape style relationship that was Mm -hmm. it um now we did talk on facebook every now and then she would send me a message on facebook like Mm -hmm. i had a question about this and there would be some stuff there right None of that was ever anything inappropriate or anything mm-hmm. that couldn't have been said in public venue with other people hearing and people would have been freaked out by. Right. Like, um, I, if I literally could bring up the history of our Facebook messages, yeah. I, I would read them That's aloud to people. It's been over a decade ago, though, so I'm yeah. sure those are long since gone. I mean, gone. I couldn't even find them when we got married and it was like it had been three years or something like that mm-hmm. and I couldn't find them. So anyways, so bottom line, that's where we were at. But we knew. Like, eventually mm-hmm. it came to the point where we both knew. Yeah. Like, she knew very well, and I knew very well. We had recognized that this God was, was bringing us together. Yeah, and th- he hadn't even said anything to me at that point. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you did... Yeah, and then so finally, I did finally ask her. I was like, I know this is going to sound crazy. And I remember saying that to her, like, yeah. please don't think I'm crazy. Yeah. But I just need to ask you this. Do you believe that God is saying that we will get married someday in the future? And I know that that would probably scare most people to have somebody mm-hmm. that they're, A, not dating, and B, not in any kind of relationship other than a friendship mm-hmm. with, say that to them. But I was so certain mm-hmm. that God was the one bringing us together that he must have been doing the same thing with her on the other side of the equation. Mm-hmm. So I asked, mm-hmm. despite the fear of feeling like, well, if I'm wrong, she's going to think I'm some kind of crazy creeper. Wasn't it before that, though, that you finally asked me if I had a crush on you? I did at it? one point ask you if I, if you had a crush on me, I think, before that, and you denied it. Yeah, I did deny um, it. Yeah. So, but at this point, you finally said yeah. yes. Yeah, I um, did. I, and I owned so up to it. <laughs> she owned up to it, so I didn't get to. I didn't have to worry about feeling too much like a creeper. And I was like, <laughs> okay. But at the same time, we both agreed now is not the time. Right. And we we just left it there. Like that was that but was as today. far as that conversation went. Right. It's like, do you think we could get married one day? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we both felt like that's where God was leading, and that was it. Now. Problems began to develop hmm. when Sarah's mom, who had a bad habit of being nosy, nosy, super nosy, got onto her Facebook. And by the way, her name is Karen. Shh, we're leaving names out of this. Oh, okay. Anyways, so who cares? <laughs> Just letting you know. So anyways, hey, maybe somebody mom, got a good laugh out of that. You mom's know? <laughs> yeah, Karen was Karen can be very Karen-like at times. We love you, Karen. Oh, yeah. But there's a reason Karens have a reputation. Um, <laughs> and 
Sarah would agree that her mom has definitely done some very Karen-like things in her life. She, she loves her mom. She liked to ask for the manager. She, she, she would do that. There's been multiple instances of that in I Sarah's learned how not life. to be. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Karen found some messages on Facebook, none of them inappropriate in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. but that freaked her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I don't even know when my mom had done it because here's the thing. I was the good kid. I'm going to say it, (laughs) and I'm not exaggerating, but I was the good kid. I always tried to follow the rules. I never wanted to upset my parents. That's just how I am. I'm not saying I was perfect. Most certainly not. I annoyed my siblings to a She was very bossy. I I was bossy, constantly making my little sister scream, always tried to find ways. But anyways. um. (laughs) So anyways, her mom... um, Found these messages, yeah. freaked out, mm-hmm. even though there was nothing inappropriate in the messages, printed them off, mm. brought them to the leadership of the church. Blacked out my at, messages. And just tried to make it look like I was this horrible person trying to seduce her and carry her away. Of course, the leaders of the church were kind of like, Duh, nothing about these messages is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Now, the church did have a rule that leader, youth leaders should not be talking to students of the opposite sex via private messages of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they did have that policy. I, I guess was not as, I didn't think it as severe as, as it was, but I guess because a parent complained mm-hmm. and because she had reached out to me and I was just answering her questions, I didn't think this was too big of a deal. Right. But evidently, in this particular scenario, probably because Karen was complaining about it, mm-hmm. it became a big deal. Um, so I was basically called in without warning to the office, sat down and told, Hey, you, uh, you're in trouble. And Mm. it's like, what for? And they're like, well, a parent has complained. We don't really think you've done anything wrong, but we're still going to have to discipline you. It's like, oh, okay. So basically, like I said, I lived on church property, so I was asked on Wednesday evenings not to be present on the property anywhere, including my apartment. So I couldn't even be in my apartment, mm-hmm. um, even though it would have been away from everything. I just couldn't even be on the premises. So I was no longer welcome at the youth group, no longer allowed in my apartment. And basically, um, when that information first hit me, like the night they dropped that on me, it was the biggest punch in the gut. It's like looking both ways before crossing the street, and then as you step out, a satellite falls on your head. You're just not expecting it. Yeah. And it it was difficult. Um, it sent me into kind of a state of depression. Mm-hmm. I, I literally couldn't eat for three days. Like I, I would, I would look at food and just be like, I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. For three days, I did not feel any appetite whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts of suicide, other things. It was tough. I had to Mm -hmm. process all of this because emotionally, people I looked up to and I respected, rather than trusting me, after all the years I had faithfully worked with them, were now throwing me under the bus to try to avoid any stink at the church. Um, And I get that. But again, nothing wrong had happened. Nothing inappropriate had happened. I was just being thrown under the bus for the sake of making sure that nobody got mad. Well, and it was also the way that they treated you. Um, yeah, and even after the fact, like, I wanted to write a letter of apology to Karen for upsetting her, even though I knew I really hadn't done anything wrong. I still wanted to try to create that um, avenue for forgiveness and reconciliation, and I was told that I wasn't allowed to do that. And I'm like, but 
biblically, the Bible says to reconcile with people when we have issues, and yeah. I just want to do that. I was told I wasn't allowed to. So personally, I believe that some of the things I was told um, were not biblically accurate, but that's, mm. a, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, anyways, from my side, I was left completely in the dark. Just one day, I could no longer get in contact with Tony, and it upset me because I was worried. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't at youth group. Right. Um, she Suddenly could not get in touch gone. with me via Facebook. There was nothing, silence there. Mm-hmm. If she asked, and the only person at the I, youth group who knew anything was the youth leader himself, the right. youth pastor himself. I literally, th- I there was no, like, did... Because, you know, we didn't think that... We, I didn't think I had done anything wrong. Like, mm-hmm. our our relationship as friends did not seem wrong. Now, me having a crush on him, yeah, that, that's, that I did keep secret because I felt like somebody might get upset about that. And mm-hmm. that was something I never even told my mom about at the time. Mm-hmm. So, I just kept it a secret because it was just a crush. It was a feeling I didn't want to alert anybody to that Mm -hmm. so after a little bit of just having no way to get in contact with him and just there was it was just so odd and like I'm an empathetic empathetic person and I can like read the room really well and I can I can feel other people's emotions and I can read their body language and it, it all just I could just I could just see it that something had right. happened. And the only person who knew what had happened in the whole youth group was the youth pastor. Right. And he would tell her nothing. Like she would ask him, like, hey, Well, I only asked him once. Right. And that was the end of it. So I had gotten on Facebook to ask him and I was just like, Can you tell me what's going on? Where's Tony? And he wouldn't say a word. So then instead he gets his wife to message me instead. And she was like, you know, oh, can can we go out to coffee and just talk and or whatever? But it, it was almost as if they're trying to avoid answering the question, right? And so it really upset me just the way that I was pushed aside and like, you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to answer that here. I'm going to let somebody else do that for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, wow, um, you made the decision, but then you can't even come to me about right. it and what i found ironic in the whole process was our our current youth pastor at the time was big about not treating high school students like children he said they're young adults and they need to be treated like young adults they need to be making their own adult-like decisions and mm-hmm. being trusted with responsibility and then it's like okay but you're not even gonna right tell her what happened it's what we're annoyed about is just how it was executed right and yeah i mean i get it you've got to protect things you got to make sure nothing inappropriate is happening i understand all that right um but the way in which things were handled i felt like could have been handled significantly better even my own mother wouldn't tell me what was going on right and eventually i just just through i guess intuition or something i just started to click in my mind that you know, somebody had found out that I had a crush on him. He was crushing on me and that they were going to try to end the relationship and stop well, it. Well, your mom was the one who kind of clued you in. Because well, no, I finally went to her. Yeah. So I finally just went to her and I was like, I'm really upset. And um, I want to know what's going on. 
and because after um the I guess the youth the youth pastor after he had like tried to pass me off to his wife and then I, that annoyed me and I was just like I think I responded with um no no I'm good I'll figure this out on my own like I literally mm-hmm. said that and um that was the end of that and I held a lot of grudges and finally asked my mom what was going on so she finally told me and that's when I lost all trust in my own mother because up until that point she and I were very close we told each other everything I told her everything I always went to her and I just felt like we had that really good bond as a as a mother daughter mm-hmm. and suddenly that had disappeared right and I could no longer trust her and she mm-hmm. just told me don't worry about it you'll get over him acting like this whole thing was just all infatuation and mm-hmm. just whatever but right. yeah anyways and she would it wasn't just she th- told you you'd get over him she would try to tear me down she was trying to force basis. me to see Tony in a different light right so like we were not allowed to talk I still was obviously attending Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. um, and so her mom would see me there, and then on the car ride home, yes, Sarah Basically, would have to endure. So we couldn't talk. We couldn't yeah. talk to each other, and at that point, I was losing hope because my whole world had just crashed on top of me, and I felt like, I did at a point feel like God was... Like, I was, was kind of angry at God at first, but then mm-hmm. I was like, no, that's not right. And so going to church was really hard on Sundays because I could, I would see him and, you know, obviously we can't talk. So he would literally have to sit on the other side of the room and big, big auditorium. So it's yeah. not like you could really see each other from across it very well. Right. And just no interaction after service at all. Um, uh, the most we could do was just look at each other, smile, wave. That was it. Move on. I don't even know if we waved. We just kind of smiled. You gave me the smallest wave on the day that you did come to Sunday church uh, okay. to church um, for the first time after things had really hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what I ended up doing was switching services for a while because we had two services, and I started attending, mm-hmm. sitting in on the one you didn't go to, and then serving on the one you did go to to right. a- avoid you because yeah. I, th- that's just what it was kind of requested of me to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so every Sunday I would have to listen to my mom talk about how, oh, did you see him there? I can't believe he was there. Like, oh, like, and then she would th- say things. Yeah, I live here, Karen. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she would just say, oh, did you see how he was looking at her? Oh, my gosh. Like, she would say this in front of me. And this is me and my sister. We're going to church with her. And um, she's talking to my sister about it and just talking and you're in the car i'm in the car it's not like i'm invisible and she knows that or she knew that but she would still talk so negatively about him just constantly constantly oh it was just i it got to a point where i finally had to fake getting over tony i had to fake it i literally would there were days i came home and was like there's this really cute guy in my class and i kind of like him and i hope that we can go out like or something like that and just to get her off my back about Tony, because it was driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. There were no cute guys in my school, by the way. 
They were all country bumpkins. Most of them, anyway. I think there was maybe were like a couple. I think I know there was one that everybody, literally everybody in the school thought was the hottest dude. Literally, he was the popular guy of the whole school, mm-hmm. and he was good looking. But he literally had all the girls, just I don't know. Yeah, nobody I could never touch had him. That problem. <laughs> he could not have a girlfriend simply because every girl in school would murder her. <laughs> would, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's so. <laughs> that's where we were at. Uh, Sarah's mom doing her best to kind of destroy our relationship. We entered a period of about a year and a half where there was zero interaction, mm-hmm. zero conversation, mm-hmm. zero anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whole um, year and a half we could not talk to each other, um, interact or anything. Interact or anything. Um, now we would still see each other eventually. I think it took like four months, and I was allowed back at the youth group. But right. even after that, the youth pastor just watched me like i mean i remember the first few weeks i was allowed back he would not not be in the room with me and it's like there are 45 other people in the room do you honestly think i'm going to do anything with 45 other people what are you you expecting me to to do do? run over and kiss me (laughs) if i walked out of the auditorium into the lobby he walked out of the auditorium into the lobby and it's just like and so they let me back but clearly they did not trust me even though I, i don't know and that's again that's one of the reasons i was so upset i was just like I didn't do anything. Right. And and yet you act like I murdered someone and you can't let me out of your sight. But anyways. Yeah. Um, so we're back at youth group, at least in the same place. But mm-hmm. still, um, no conversation, no talking, no nothing. Right. And about uh, eight months into this process, mm-hmm. I'm in a really dry place spiritually, just wondering if I'm on the right path still or not. And God answered my prayers once again. I felt like he brought a verse to my mind, which trying to remember the reference but i think it's out of jeremiah where he talks about i will give your young men dreams and visions and your old men prophecies or something along those lines um and and i remember that verse very clearly coming to mind i go okay well i will sleep with a notepad and pen by my bed tonight god because if you're telling me you're going to give me a dream i'll write it down that night he gave me a dream really cool and i was out test driving a car and i still this is over 10 years ago-ish. I still remember the dream like it was yesterday. Mm. I'm out test driving a car, which is weird because, you know, whatever. I didn't really ever buy that many cars. But I was out test driving a car. <laughs> decided to stop at an art museum on the way. Mm. So, you know, that's what people do. You take a car for a test drive and you run your errands, I guess. But uh, <laughs> like that episode of Seinfeld. Um, so Anyways. I take this car out for test drive. Stop at an art museum. I'm in the art museum and I go to this one particular gallery. It's all pressed copper portraits so imagine if somebody took a a sheet of copper like sheet metal but of copper and pressed images into it so it gave them that nice Mm three-dimensional kind of look almost like a penny but on a picture frame so on a large scale you know like three feet by three feet yeah and i'm looking at all these pictures just one after the other and they're all birds and sarah loves birds Mm -hmm. and in my mind i'm looking at these and i remember thinking man I got to bring Sarah here. Sarah would love these pictures. They're so lifelike and amazingly detailed and so on. And I'm going through and I remember seeing like ducks and swans and birds in flight and all this different things. And then I I stop and I'm fixated on this one picture Mm -hmm. thinking about it, you know, and it's a hummingbird. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I go, you know, Sarah wouldn't just love these pictures. Sarah made these And at that moment in the dream, I turn and I look and across the gallery, there's no one else in the room. There hasn't been anybody else in the museum this entire time. But I look and across the gallery, there is Sarah, Mm -hmm. probably like 100 feet away. 
we don't say anything. We just look at each other and we smile and we know. Mm-hmm. Like in our heart, we just, we know. Mm-hmm. And I woke up. I was like, I have no idea exactly what that meant. But okay, God, I'm going to write it all down. So mm-hmm. I wrote it all down. And then about a, a week later, I uh, was praying with some friends. And one of them looks at me. And he's like, I feel like God's telling me to tell you that he's got something big that's going to happen for you this week. I don't know what it is, but that's what he wants me to tell you. Okay, sure. Well, that following Wednesday, Sarah comes up to me. She goes, hey, um, I wanted to give you this. Don't worry, my mom knows. And she said it was okay. And, yeah. And she just kind of, that's it. I gave you Very short and sweet. She gave me a manila envelope. Mm Mm-hmm. With a picture in it. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, or no, she, she didn't tell me the part about her mom. First, she just tells me, here, I got this for you. Yeah. Um, and then I was kind of, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Like, Am I allowed to take this? We're barely on speaking terms. I don't know. Terms. Like, <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be talking to her still, but she just gave me something. Yeah. So I was kind of like putting off opening it. Mm-hmm. And then later she checked back in with me. She's like, did you look at it yet? I was like, uh, no, not, not yet. She's mm-hmm. like, okay. And then, like, later she checks in with me again, like, did you look at it yet? It's like, um, not yet, I've been busy. She's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, just so you know, my just, mom knows. Yeah. She, like, she felt like, I guess she needed to tell me that it was okay, that this had parental seal of approval on it. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was like, okay, it's got the parental seal of approval. I want to tell my side, sorry. Okay. Don't tell what, what happened when you opened it. Okay, well, so... Well, or should we? I went back to the sound booth where the manila envelope was sitting, and I opened it, and I guess... I'll let Sarah tell. Well, I opened it. Mm-hmm. I looked at the picture. Mm-hmm. And nothing really clicked. So then I go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And while I'm in the bathroom doing my business, it was like God smacked me upside the head and said, Hey, stupid, you remember the dream. Mm. And that's when it all clicked. So I'll let Sarah tell you her side of things. I just have to wonder how much bigger it would have been if, if it had actually been a different picture. <laughs> well, but still, this... this okay, I so mean. I am an artist, and I draw, and I sketch, and whatever. And I have tons of sketchbooks filled with fairies, mermaids, and birds, and From just her younger all days. of my favorite things that I love to draw. And at the... When, when we had first met... And he saw that I could draw really well. He, he's like, oh, you'll have to draw me a picture sometime. And I was like, yeah. And I just never got around to it. So um, it had been a year and a half during our silent period. And I finally felt prompted. I, I, just, I was suddenly prompted, I think, by God, to give Tony a picture. And I first asked my mom about it. I was like, can I just... Can I give him a picture, uh, just a drawing? I promised him that I would draw him a picture. And she said it was fine. So I looked through my sketchbooks. Um, I thought about drawing a dog because he loves dogs. And I started just looking through our sketchbook. I'm like, no, I need one that really jumps out at me. Something that's going to tell me this is the one. So I'm just looking and looking and looking. I have all kinds of sketches of hummingbirds. But I felt like that wasn't it. So I finally came to a picture I had drawn like a couple weeks ago and it was an ink 
drawing of a kind of like a rose bush or a tree, mm-hmm. but it had thorns on it. And there were some roses on the side. And on the very center, and we do have it hanging up in our house currently. I can see it from where I'm sitting. Yeah. And uh, at the very center of this bush-like tree, I guess, is a very small bird, a little hummingbird. And I just felt like that was the one. I didn't understand why, but I was just like, I don't know why, but this is it. I'm like at the same time, I was kind of like, no, this is this is stupid. This is ugly. I don't like it. And <laughs> I honestly was like, artist was like, oh, no, this is this awful. isn't good enough for him. This is it needs to be beautiful. So. But anyways, I still, I, I decided to go with it and put it in a middle envelope and took it to youth group and I gave it to him. I was like, open it. Do it now. And when it clicked, when God was like, remember the dream. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what was the picture of? It was of a hummingbird. Who made it? Sarah. Mm-hmm. Like, all of that clicked. Sarah didn't know my dream. Mm-hmm. Sarah didn't know there was a hummingbird in my dream. Mm-mm. Sarah didn't know that I knew that that hummingbird was made by Sarah mm-hmm. in my dream. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't know any about any, th- and any of this. I came out of the bathroom. My hands were just shaking, and I probably looked pale. I don't know. Like I don't think I actually saw you when you came. You out did. Of the you did. did you I? saw me, and you you were like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I can't tell you now, but I will tell you someday." Yeah. What happened? And all I said was like, "Okay, well, you know, I'll be eighteen soon." Yep. And so, can you can you see this? God is literally speaking to us in the silence that we are in. We literally right. cannot communicate in the ways that we want to. But God is talking so to us to say the things those, that we do need to say. Mm-hmm. Through those little things, God was assuring mm-hmm. us that, hey, we're still on track. Yeah. That I promise this and we're going to deliver and you guys are on the right track mm-hmm. and hang in there. It's difficult, but you're getting there. Yeah. And so we went through that period and, you know, we got to the other side of it stronger. Mm-hmm. I will tell you this right now. Any woman or any man who will wait a year and a half for you mm-hmm. without almost any form of communication whatsoever, mm-hmm. but will wait on that promise that you are the one they're going to be with, mm-hmm. that is a very strong and caring and faithful person. Mm-hmm. And the fact that my wife was able to do that at such a young, what would people would say, such a young age, she, <laughs> She can't be mature by that age. I think we undersell how much how mature oh, yeah. young people can actually be. Mm-hmm. Um, if you treat them that that way, then of course they're never going right. to. I'm very fond of J.R.R. Tolkien because when he was questioned, well, don't you think your books are written a little bit too, sh- too over the heads of young readers for them to grasp? He was like, no, young people will always rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. So if we challenge them, they will grow. And yes. that's why J.R.R. Tolkien wrote such challenging books for young people mm-hmm. because... He believed it would help them grow. But I, I believe that my wife demonstrated very clearly, even though she was, you know, 16, 17, 18 at the time while this was taking place, she had the maturity to be patient, mm-hmm. to wait faithfully on the Lord, to do so in silence, to stand up to being told she was wrong, even when she knew she was right, but not to respond in anger or hate, but to still remain respectful and try to work through that. I mm-hmm. mean, she demonstrated a lot of maturity that women my own age that I knew didn't have. So anyways, we get to the other end of that. She turns 18. Her mm-hmm. parents can't tell her no. Pants or parents? Parents can't <laughs> tell her no no more. Um, so we write together. We mm-hmm. work together to write a very formal, respectful, but um, straightforward letter mm-hmm. to her parents that, hey, this is our intention. and is to get married. Mm-hmm. 
and that's it. Like, right. there was no, we weren't even dating at this point. No, there was no dating. I was literally with a letter, going to her parents and saying I would like permission to marry your your daughter. Mm-hmm. Like we started straight out of the gate, basically engaged. I did not have a ring at that point, but that's that was this kind was of our in starting line. July and and we wrote this letter in July because I was about to turn eighteen mm-hmm. in August. So that's why we started on this letter. And I think we gave it to them after you turned 18, didn't we? Before. Before? Just okay. before because um, we went on a date uh, oh, that's on my birthday. Right. Well, the impromptu date that... Uh, oh, yeah, my dad. Your dad. So her dad evidently was... I think he was mostly in the dark about all of this. I, I think he missed out on a lot of the drama and just kind of came on board in the letter season. I don't know that her mom ever told her dad I what was really going on. I really don't know, but... <laughs> um, if he ever so listens funny. to this podcast, he's going to be like, wait, what was going on? What happened? Um, but anyways, Well, we told everything in the letter, though. That's true. Yeah, we did the mention dreams. everything in the letter. Um, and so he actually ended up inviting me to go with her to the local state fair mm-hmm. out of the blue. Because yeah. um, Catherine had some friends to go with. Yeah, and Sarah didn't have any friends to go with. So he yeah. was like, well, why don't you invite Tony? Sarah was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was kind of our first official, unofficial quote unquote date. Yeah. But the reality is we, we, we we will tell people that we dated as a formality, as a cultural custom. Mm -hmm. We were, we were ready to get married the day. We were ready to get married the day she graduated high school, really the day she turned 18. She was like, can we get married now? Um, and we were like, well, Let's respect the cultural customs within which we live. Now mm-hmm. we look back on it and we go, oh, forget cultural customs. We should have just gotten married. Yeah. Uh, and we weren't. But that a, was just us. Like, was just that's us. not for everybody. That's not so. for everybody. Um, but I will say, I mean, I worked with somebody who, it was funny, they came in one day to work and they're like, it's our six year anniversary. I'm so excited. And we all looked at her and we went, aren't you like 20? She's like, yeah. You got married at 14? Yep. <laughs> hey, more power to you, because I knew people who had you know, gotten married after college when they were supposed to be mature adults and didn't even make it two years. Yeah. So she got married at 14 and made it six. More power to her. I don't know if they're still married, right. um, but still, age is not necessarily always the answer um, mm-hmm. to the equation. But point being, my wife and I have been married eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, we have three kids. We have three kids. We are deeply in love. Life is not always easy. No. But We've had our struggles, but... Very clearly, what I would say is this. When we first met, it was agape, like mm-hmm. we talked about in the last podcast. Yeah. As it got deeper into the agape O level, that's when we really knew. Mm-hmm. We were knew, we knew for certain that what God had told us was true. And at that point, we were ready. And I think that the silence actually kind of helped in the long run mm-hmm. to one, strengthen our relationship, but two, keep away temptation because it mm-hmm. wasn't the right time yet. Um Solomon talks about not awakening love before it's time in the Bible. Mm. Uh, I can't remember if that's Song of Solomon or Proverbs. I think it's Song of Solomon. And so I think that there is an appropriate time for people to come together as husband and wife. And, yeah. you know, before that is inappropriate. Even though they're right for each other, it's not the right time. So right. that silence did help to keep us separated so that our relationship mm-hmm. did not grow to a point that it was not ready to be at yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that was beneficial though painful and difficult, it Mm -hmm. was beneficial. And that's something I told a lot of my students back in youth group days was, hey, you cannot grow a oak tree in a tiny little planter pot. Mm -hmm. It needs room for its roots. And so what I see happening with a lot of young people is they're 
starting dating and then they're going into these relationships and they naturally grow as relationships do to these deep and amazing things, but they're financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually not ready to have a marriage. Mm-hmm. But their relationship wants to be there because it's grown. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is it kills the relationship because that tree cannot survive in that tiny little pot. Mm-hmm. That that dating relationship, which should be on the verge of becoming a marriage, cannot in a healthy way function inside of that confines of you being a teenager still living at home. Mm-hmm. So timing is important. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is if you look at scripture, as long as you're keeping your relationships healthy mm-hmm. and it's the appropriate time, God will bring you the right person at the right time and he'll deepen those relationships as long as you're faithfully pursuing him. Because that's the thing. I was faithfully pursuing God. I told God in high school, I will not date until I know you have brought me the right person. Mm-hmm. By 25, I was going, maybe I'll just never date God. Mm-hmm. And God was like, no, no, it's coming. Yeah, Hang in there. <laughs> I literally, I remember praying that prayer I was probably 14 or 15, so I literally waited over a decade for the fulfillment of that mm. vow I had made with God. Mm-hmm. It was his timing. Sarah, thankfully, didn't have to wait as long. Yeah, I know. I was but the impa- Sarah's like, okay, God, I'm going to focus on you, and you, know, you can take care of the rest. And, yeah. and that only took and her even, about two years. And even through that, um, that silence that we had, I mean, I still pursued God. I mm-hmm. read my Bible right. every day. And that's the thing is, we said in the, 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 first pod, uh, the last podcast, you know, as long as your relationship with God is where it should be, everything else should start falling into place. Yeah, right. And that's the thing. Our relationships were God, with God were where they should have been. Mm-hmm. Everything else starts falling into place. Right. Um, I often would tell, and really not just students, anyone I meet who ask me about relationships, I would say that relationships are like a triangle. God is the point at the front. Yeah, you the are top. the point at the you know on the back yeah. left, and he or she is the point, you know, your your significant your spouse is right. the, the point on the opposite side. If you want to get closer to each other, mm-hmm. there's two ways you can do it. Either you can go straight towards one another, but if you do that, you don't draw any closer to God, or you can individually draw closer to God, which ends up bringing you closer together in the long run. Mm-hmm. Which one is better, to be closer to one another and to God, or just to be closer to one another? And I was always tell our students, your relationships need to be like that triangle. You need to be going closer to God, and you'll be going closer together in the process. Yeah. And that's what Sarah and I did. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would encourage anybody else to do while keeping in mind what depth their relationship has reached. And don't be afraid to get married when the time is right. Yeah. But also don't jump the gun and jump into it before the time is right. Mm-hmm. Don't let that, because I'm going to be honest with you folks, love is like that inflatable kiddie pool that comes in that tiny little cardboard box. Once you pull it out of that box and you inflate it, it, ain't going back in. it never goes back in that box the way it was prepackaged <laughs> at the factory. It just doesn't. No. <laughs> it never will. So if you unbox it too soon, or a fitted it ain't sheet. going back. You get that fitted sheet from a store all folded up nicely, but as soon as you unfold it, you ain't going to fold it back. Nope. nope. It just, it, at that point, it just gets crumpled up in the drawer when it's not I roll in mine. Use. I grab it and I roll it up. So anyways, <laughs> that's our story, part of it. It's crazy. I know some people are going to hear that and think, y'all are nuts. Mm. Um, Sarah's had people tell her that I groomed her. Which is bull crap. And I think it's so funny because I'm like, how did I groom her when I wasn't talking to her for a year and a half? Yeah, explain that, y'all. That I'm not sure by whose definition of grooming you're going, but a year and a half without talking to someone would be awful difficult yeah. to groom See, them. See, that's the thing is that um, with our story, if you 
if you don't, if you've never heard our entire story, you cannot make that assumption. Right. So, again, age gap, the age gap between us, if you're curious and you didn't do the math earlier, is about eight and a half years. Yeah. Um, and you know what? My and we grandma and grandpa, really well together. they're eight years apart. Mm-hmm. And my other set of grandparents, well, you know, before my grandpa died, they were, ev- the gap was even much bigger. I was going to say, they were like. Much bigger. Yeah. Gap. I'm trying to remember now. But anyway. Uh, I think he was like 35 and she was 14. So they were nearly 20 years apart. Yeah. Or something. I think that's what it was. Um, so, again, cultural customs, things are different now. Right. Bottom line, God will bring you into the relationship you need at the right time if you need to be in one. Mm-hmm. Be willing to accept being single if that's God's calling for you or be willing to accept being married if that's God's calling for you. Mm-hmm. But wait on his timing and follow his guidelines for how to maintain healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. We did the best we could with what we had mm-hmm. and our marriage has turned out great for the last eight years. Well, mm-hmm. almost eight years. We had eight years in July. Yeah. And I wouldn't change a thing except maybe eloping. Yeah. Like that's about the, we, we <sighs> kind of agreed. I really agreed. wish like we had just saved the, our money for the honeymoon. Yeah, yeah, weddings are expensive, so it would have been great if we just eloped and saved that money for a longer honeymoon. But it, it was mostly for our parents. And that's what I will say. Be beware. This, if there's one lesson I learned through everything, it is do not let cultural traditions mm. govern your marriage and your relationship with your spouse. If traditions are hurting you, the tradition needs to die. Yes. So, you know, there were things like oh, when we were planning the wedding, we're like, oh, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to do this. No, we didn't have to do any of those things. Mm. I felt like we my could, mom kept coming wedding. up with new things. Do we you remember that whatever we want. the yes. night before the wedding? She's like, oh, what about chair covers <laughs> or whatever it was? Yeah. And I was like, and then we were um, trying to am make... I supposed to be worried about that? So I just had to ask you. <laughs> yeah. Invitations. I remember we had one idea for invitations. She's like, oh, you can't do invitations that way. They have to be this way. Yeah. It's our wedding. We can do the invitations however we want. <laughs> it's right. like, but there were traditions and things that had to be okay, followed. Just so you know, when we hit our 10-year anniversary, we're going to do a wedding party the way we wanted it. And <laughs> we're going to invite all our friends. Anyways. That's just me. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I hope our story, we got really long-winded with this we did. one. I fun. hope our story was at least fun, interesting, yeah. fascinating. Maybe you're like an author and you're like, this would make a great Hallmark Channel movie. Hey, hit us <laughs> up. We would. We'd be happy to like, you know, <laughs> work with you on Hallmark. that. Um, but anyways, you can reach us at thehonestchristian at yahoo.com. That's our email. Mm-hmm. Um, Let us know what these, you thought. One of these days we'll have like an actual social media page. I keep my, I'm horrible at I'm, social media. I'm going to make an my Instagram. My wife is going to get us an Instagram at some point. I'm doing a lot better with Instagram now. She's swabby, suave, suave, however you Swanky. say it. She's good with that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, I am not savvy. Um, savvy. That's the word <laughs> I was looking for. Anyways, uh, I'm, I'm tech the, savvy. I'm I set up the soundboard and stuff, do the recording, audio editing. She handles the social media. But thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. I hope you laughed, learned something. Maybe you were like, oh, I can relate to this. Maybe mm-hmm. you were like, y'all is nuts. Hey, and we want to know your story. So you email yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, your if story. you've got an interesting story about how God brought you together with your significant other. Yeah. I mean, we'd love to hear that too. That'd be really cool. Um, love to always connect with anybody. If you do think we're crazy and you want to tell us that, hey, that's fine too. We, we, we love being told no we're crazy because we know we are. Um, we are. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs> and I'm going to stop jabbering now. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.